This is Briar Klopp, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Greenbush, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Rain showers moving across Argentina today with more expected through Wednesday. Total rainfall expected to vary, though, anywhere from a half inch to maybe two and a half inches. Could see some localized areas receiving as much as three inches. World Weather Incorporated says conditions will dry out, though, going into next weekend. Temperatures climbing into the 90s and low 100s most days. Brazil will see a better harvest condition today and tomorrow with scattered showers increasing late Tuesday through Friday. Temperatures in Brazil expected to range from the mid-80s to mid-90s. The North Dakota Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee is recommending the passage of seven bills addressing landowners' concerns surrounding the Summit Carbon Solutions Pipeline Project. The bills focus on adequate spacing between the new pipeline and houses and written consent from landowners to surveyors. The University of Minnesota researchers recently made a breakthrough in efforts to develop mitigation strategies against African swine fever. U of M associate professor Declan Schroeder says a new study found the virus was able to survive up to 100 degrees Celsius. It was previously thought that you know temperatures in the range of say 60 degrees um, Celsius, that's about 140 Fahrenheit, that would be enough to kill the virus. And so the, the assays we used to run, and we still run today, when you use this infectivity assay, the evidence suggests that the virus would be killed when you treat the virus, um, say, 140 Fahrenheit for, say, 20 minutes. And we discovered that the temperature of 140 Fahrenheit is not good enough. Um, in fact, you can, you can go up to boiling um, temperature for water, um, 100 degrees Celsius, 200 Fahrenheit plus, and this virus still maintains its structure. The U of M is one of only a handful of facilities in the U.S. to have access to the highly contagious disease. African swine flu virus is, is a foreign animal disease, so there are very few labs in the U.S. that work on this virus or can have permission to work on this virus. And in fact, Minnesota, we, we were the third, we think, on, the, on record to be given permission to work on this virus. And now I know there are at least five other research universities that have the permission. Um, so this, this has been um, working progress for the last 18 months where we've been trying to develop an understanding of this virus if it had to come to the U.S. Well, so far, Chinese balloon headlines seem to be separate from market action. NDSU crops economist Frayne Olson says the news hasn't impacted the markets directly, but that is causing some anxiety as political tensions have yet to play out. Volumes of sales or purchases between the United States and China have really not been impacted. It really hasn't directly impacted the trade between the United States and China, either in the agricultural front or for other products and, and items that we buy from China. Obviously, the, the increase in the political tensions is causing some anxiety in the grain market, but the pricing system right now really hasn't seen any major changes. Um, short term, nothing yet, but uh, of course, something we need to watch very closely because if this starts to accelerate or starts to become a larger political issue, you know, in the near future, that may start impacting trade and trade flows. And Olson says it's difficult to monitor what's happening with the old crop in China. 
the Chinese have had some government auctions, in particular for wheat, as well as some for corn, of the older inventories that they're releasing back into the marketplace. And, and so far, those auctions have gone pretty well. The volumes they have had up for auction have been purchased. There wasn't any bad sales, if you will. And the pricing has been at least at the minimum level the government has set. So it seems as though internally in China, there's a demand for some of some of these, in particular, feedstocks. But it's really hard to monitor and, and try and get a feel for how much of the, the domestic production as well as their import are going into a government-owned reserve versus how much of that is then being resold on the backside. The U.S. Grains Council meeting in Savannah, Georgia, continues through Wednesday. Minnesota Corn Research and Promotion Council Chair Doug Albin says foreign trade is a major priority. We've brought in our uh, foreign uh, outreach team from all the various countries that uh, we have a uh, footprint in, and we're dealing with corn, barley, and sorghum, and discussing the idea of uh, opportunities we've got to increase uh, exports, but also challenges that we face with tariffs and uh, various other issues with GMOs. Albin is hopeful to get the Mexico GMO issue resolved. I think there is. I think the realization that uh, our exports, our carbon production is based on science, and hopefully uh, the government in Mexico realizes that they need to import corn to feed their people and sustain their agriculture, their dairy, their livestock. And the best way to do that is to take a look at the United States and the advancements we've made, not only in GMOs, but sustainability and production and being a reliable supplier. The grain markets continue to see quiet but firmer trade. Bauer Trading Market Analyst Ben Cash says traders are adding some risk premium over increasing tensions with China. You know, obviously, is a is a bearish headwind. Um, you know, that is something that's going to have to be watched on a daily basis. And then also, uh, that uh, Black Sea corridor um, sounds like Putin is not happy with the deal there once again, and that's helping the fuel um, a firmer wheat market. Uh, seeing a lot of short covering from the funds here today. Cash says China is a major concern for traders. It's very concerning, especially since harvest is underway in South America. You know, they can, uh, as far as you know, trade sanctions, that sort of thing, um, you know, they, they can definitely source um, their needs out of, out of South America. So that does remain, you know, kind of bearish for the corn, I mean, all ag commodities, actually. So that's something to definitely watch. And it doesn't sound like, um, you know, tensions are easing. It, it, it seems to be escalating at this point. Acres and Shares is reporting that 193 American Crystal Sugar Beet shares sold during the week ending February 10th. Average price per share, $4,451. So far this trading season, 2,330 shares have been sold at an average price of $4,569 per share. Reporting Agriculture's Business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Farmers Business Network ruminant nutritionist Monty Curley says to optimize feed use, nutritionists are starting to balance diets based on amino acids to energy. You know, the efficiency of feed use was always a big deal. It's gotten bigger, with uh, particularly now we look at cost of ingredients, how transportation affects, you know, get ingredients in. And then the other thing we do is also we've got an eye on to, you know, 
things we think is going to be important in the future. So what are we doing to reduce carbon outputs and uh, think about environmental sustainability as, as well. But the primary focus we have is how do we, uh, how do we make that calf as efficient as biologically possible and how that relates then to reducing uh, or minimizing cost of gain for the producer. Curley says the industry is constantly evolving nutrition to make feeding calves more efficient. I'd reach back even further five to ten years. We've seen a lot of advancements in ruminant nutrition, grain processing. If you go back far enough, even adding protein to the diet, you know, we, we saw an improvements in, in efficiency. A lot of emphasis the past few years on feed additives, additional feed additives, and just the onophores that we use. There's a, a lot of effort that's gone into feed efficiency. It, I believe the two biggest strides we can make in that is genetics, and there's work on residual feed intake, but also on, on the diet formulation. And so when we combine the amino acid nutrition with the genetics, there's the potential to make improvements that we don't typically think about as possible. Farmers Business Network Chief Economist Kevin McNew says there's a lot of optimism around the corn market. You know, I've been the vice chair for the last year has been pretty pretty interesting to be involved at that level because you get to be stay informed. All your contractors are talking with you. Um, we're we're just it's just nice to stay informed that way throughout the year. So the Federation of State Beef Councils is a tool where the, the individual states can invest in the federation to help promote, educate and all that throughout the rest of the nation. I mean, the beef belt, which is up and down the middle of the U.S., has got way more cattle than people. So we take those dollars, collaborate them at the Federation of State Beef Councils, and then disperse them back out. With transportation hiccups that plagued 2022 leveling out and export markets gaining interest, McNew says he'll be looking for solid prices in 2023 corn. We've seen you know, export buyers start to step in, especially this week with both Colombia and Mexico showing some interest in U.S. corn. The other thing that we think is positive heading into 23 is the struggles that Argentina and to a lesser extent Brazil are having in their growing season. We think this plays out really sharply in terms of corn, where Argentina will have a very, very downgraded crop and the potential for Brazil to have a worse second season Safrina corn crop. I think adds more fuel to the fire for the corn market. The outlook for the beef market remains optimistic. But Rabo's research senior animal protein analyst Lance Zimmerman says competition for resources will probably keep feed prices high for livestock producers. You know, as we talk about competition uh, in the beef industry, obviously I focused on pork and poultry. But another thing is those same industries and the energy market as a whole are providing a lot of competition for feed grains in an environment with drought where things just quite simply aren't in abundant supply right now either. And so as we now navigate that. Uh, we're going to stay in a high feed price environment. And so yes, even if we have higher beef prices, do they stop at the cattle feeder because they need to take those higher prices to pay for a higher feed bill. And so it could stifle the price uptrend for cow-calf producers and stalker operators and, and perhaps lead to less enthusiasm to retaining a bunch of heifers and rebuilding the herd. Zimmerman says demand will be the driver of prices. And what I've been telling cattle producers, uh, our Rabobank price outlook isn't a whole lot different than what futures is pricing in. We think that based on the supply declines that we think are going to come in this next year, roughly a two pound per capita reduction in beef supplies and a slight pullback in demand because of those inflationary pressures and such that we're pricing in a very comfortable demand level with where the prices are today. So it means that this spring fed cattle prices have upward potential of the mid 160s in a cash basis. As we go through the summer, the lows will probably be plus 
plus or minus right around 150. And then we'll work higher from there into the end of the year and likely taking out the spring highs because supplies are going to continue to decline as we go. Go to the Red River Farm Network's website, rrfn.com. You can sign up for our weekly Red River Farm Network e-newsletter. FarmNet News hits your e-mail box every Monday. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Inside agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. CoBank lead animal protein analyst Brian Ernest says even with food prices still on the rise, consumers are turning towards beef to fulfill protein needs. Yeah, overall, the last couple of years, the demand's been really pretty good for animal protein. And we've seen that, that really kind of primarily on beef. Beef has taken a strong, strong position with the consumer, gravitated towards uh, that area overall. And, and so we've seen a mix in terms of uh, purchasing behavior. Um, looking at between uh, grocery and food service, um, over the last year that food service business has come back. Some things I'm thinking about this spring, you know, the grilling season is just around the corner and ramping up for that. I think um, animal protein space is going to do quite well uh, again, despite some challenges or headwinds, thinking about inflation. Ernest expects price, beef prices of beef to increase towards the end of 2023. Retail beef prices were pretty flat for retail price for beef overall. Uh, usually we see some seasonal variations. I think this year we're probably going to see some inflation in the beef case uh, passed on to the consumer. It may have to wait until the back half of the year. I think there's, there's probably some indicators that we're going to have tighter supplies uh, in terms of beef and availability, but um, probably shows up more prominently in the back half of the year than the front. What the consumer's looking at, they're going to be a little bit more conscious of, of their budget this year, and typically that's tended towards maybe you know moving down the aisle a little bit. Chicken seems very well positioned this year, got really low prices. USDA has renewed its memorandum of agreement with a consortium of 36 tribal colleges and universities. These schools were recognized as land-grant colleges nearly 30 years ago, and the new agreement will make USDA programs more accessible to these institutions. A large portion of these schools are in this region with five tribal colleges and universities in North Dakota, four in Minnesota, and three in South Dakota. Checking markets this afternoon. Wheat in Minneapolis is mixed. We're a fraction either side of unchanged. Chicago wheat's up three. Kansas City is a fraction higher. March corn is up four cents. December corn down a quarter penny. March soybeans down a penny and a half. November soybeans are two and a half higher. The canola in March is down a dollar ninety a metric ton. April cattle up a dollar two. March feeder cattle up sixty five cents. And April hogs are two dollars ninety cents higher. Thanks for joining us. This is the Red River Farm Network.